We have a very exciting sponsorship. This episode yes. is brought to you by Podcorn. Woo! And Cameron actually found Podcorn for us like a while ago. Mm-hmm. And so we're super excited to be sponsored by them today. With Podcorn, there is no middleman. Podcasters of all sizes can browse and choose opportunities right on the platform. The Marketplace mission is to give podcasters transparency, creative freedom, and full control of how and when we monetize. Huge thanks to Podcorn for sponsoring this episode. Explore sponsorship opportunities and start monetizing your podcast by signing up in the link we provided below. Woo-hoo! Yes, Podcorn. Yes, Podcorn. This episode is brought to you by Juni Essentials. Looking for a way to reduce plastic in your life and not sure where to start? And need a good toothbrush to get rid of the coffee stains on your teeth? Yes. Mm. Meet Juni Essentials, makers of the Juni Bamboo Toothbrush. Unlike other toothbrushes, the Juni brush has a handle with a smooth, luxurious finish and soft tapered bristles that gets in all the hard-to-reach areas. No need to compromise between sustainability and quality. Choose Juni. And thanks to your listenership, all Coffee With My Ex listeners get a 20% discount during the month of February using code COFFEE20. Go to juniessentials.com, click shop, and enter the code at checkout today. That's juniessentials.com. Now, let's get into the podcast. How do we start the podcast? I don't know. Is it at the table? I don't know. Coffee with coffee with No, I'm (laughs) Kayla. I'm Caleb. I'm Haley. And I'm having coffee, coffee with, with my, my ex. ex. We even practice that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't be here. Well, if you're watching this podcast, and I don't know why you wouldn't be watching it. Yeah. We are in a brand new space. That, that we are, and it feels weird. It feels very weird. There's no table in front of us. Yeah. There's, There's a, nowhere to hide. There's nowhere to hide. Yeah, I feel very like vulnerable right now. But you know what I do feel? I feel less trapped. I know, but I, like, I like to trap myself. Okay, well, we share different <laughs> levels of comfort. Because <laughs> um, usually at the table that we're at, there is cords wrapped around, so like you can't move. Like no, you, you are boxed in. Yeah, I'm boxed <laughs> in. I am anywhere. actually trapped. And I am like internally panicking because I hate being trapped. Like yeah. I feel trapped right now in these jeans that I've never <laughs> worn on the podcast before, and this feels terrible. <laughs> um. Oh yeah, we're wearing our new merch. We are wearing our new merch. This is our coffee with my ex hoodie that we've been teasing forever now. So mm-hmm. where can they find it? You know what? A link down below. I'm sure we'll have a link in our bio on Instagram and a link down below in the description. Yeah. Um. And yeah, we'll have the storefront open. I'll we'll share it in our uh, Instagram stories as well. Yeah. We want to see you guys take pictures on it and tag us and stuff. And we're really excited. And we have been wearing the, this hoodie since we got it. Like it's been a part of my like every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it. I don't think I've really washed it much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 beside my bed. So every morning I get up. <laughs> I put on my dance on sweats and then I put this hoodie on. It's such a good uniform. It's just, it's like the fit is enough to where you look cute in it. And yeah. It's like relaxed, but it's cozy enough that it's not a struggle to put on. Yeah. And especially when you get like a size, like three sizes too big for yourself. I really love, That's like, dumb. I love swimming in it. I got mine true to size and it is very cozy. I get my hoodies and no less than an extra large. And you wear a small usually. Yes. It's just I feel like I'm swimming in this and it's a medium. Well, whatever. Um, what else? <laughs> it's, it's, it'll fit anyone. <laughs> <laughs> what else? What it's oh yeah, we took last week off. Yeah. Um, so that was cool. That was nice. nice it was nice, nice because usually the weekend I'm always like scrambling, like getting everything together. 
<laughs> it is a lot to go through. You know what? I also was going through a bit of a break, I think, last week. Because on the podcast that we did last time, I was having kind of a, uh, a self-realization mm-hmm. and coming to myself. And I realized that I needed to take a beat and uh, take a moment to think before I spoke. Yeah. And I did that. That's great. And I had lots of therapizing. <laughs> so I feel I feel like I'm ready to be here. Yes. Good. And I made a triple latte today. Damn. Mm-hmm. That's a lot to do. I mean, we're going to be here for some time. I didn't want uh, a chance it. I didn't even think about that. Because we usually have a coffee machine right there. Yeah. Um. So any updates with you? What's been happening in your neck of the woods? I don't really know. What has been? I've just been working and twerking. Working and twerking. Uh, my, I just feel so much better about life since my newfound schedule making. You have been sticking to that. It really has changed my life. I'm not kidding. I feel just like I'm, I'm way more organized human. I get so overwhelmed so easily. And so having a schedule, even if I don't even like necessarily get everything done or move it around as my day goes, mm-hmm. it's nice to just like okay, this is, like, my kind of to-do list, but, like, mm-hmm. I obviously am a very, like, time-aware type of person, and so I always feel like there's never enough time. Mm. And so being able to kind of block things off for myself has just been so helpful and like, keeping my thoughts organized. What's your process? Do you do it, like, at the beginning of the week and, like, block out a week at a time? Yeah, so I do, usually on Monday, like, Mondays, well, this is my second Monday doing this. Mm-hmm. Is like I'll go through the days and know, okay, this is ex- this is what I have to get done, and then I'll be like, and then I'll kind of arrange it from there. Like, mm, what do I wish will get done? <laughs> like, what what is yeah, what is my wish list uh-huh. of things to get done? So, and then day by day, I'll kind of like arrange it as like things pop up or whatever. <sighs> it's been amazing. It sounds amazing. I mean, Cameron does it for me. That's why you you said you started doing it because you needed a Cameron. Yeah, I couldn't imagine taking the time to sit down and block out the week because I feel like by the time I got to the end of the week it would be the end of the week (laughs) (laughs) I mean it probably takes me like a half hour I think it's a it's one of the it's the and it's and it's nice because I just have my coffee I'm watching you know CNN listening to NPR while I'm (laughs) making my schedule for the week I'm just an old lady (laughs) I will say that if you don't currently make a schedule it is hands down the best especially, way to ground yourself. Es- yeah, especially if like you do like you work from home or like you own your own business or like whatever because mm-hmm. like it's there's so many like moving parts all the time. Too much to keep straight. <sighs> all right. I was literally just like thinking about it before <laughs> before I had a schedule. Yeah. I was a, a tornado. Yeah, that's how and I was it felt feeling. like every day like I didn't know what I was supposed to accomplish or like if I was doing enough. Yeah. And it's just nice to see, like, oh, like, I actually don't have time to do other things or I need to take a break yeah. here so I have time here. Yeah, because then if I did – if like, when I didn't have the schedule, it's like I'm not doing enough or I'm doing too much. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no in-between. Like, sometimes I'm like, I know there's stuff I could be doing, but I, I literally cannot figure out, like, w- how to make better use of my time Yeah. without writing it out. So we're going to start <laughs> selling a planner. <laughs> <laughs> we do need to sell a planner. I love planners. Um, I can't do planners. And you know why I don't like planners is because, case in point, they're not – I'm a believer in iCloud and everything synced up so that if, like, my phone, if I drop this in my coffee – well, it's waterproof. 
but it's fine. <laughs> Everything is saved. Yeah. We were going over ideas for the podcast. Yeah. And you were hellbent on writing everything down in a physical planner. And I said, Haley, don't do that. What if you lose it? And you go, I'm not going to lose it. I love my planner. And what happened? I didn't lose it. I'm, I looked in the wrong notebook for it. And it wasn't a planner with a notebook. <sighs> All right. So, okay. What are we talking about today? Um, so today is very, very exciting. It's one of our favorite topics, I would say, in the world. Miss Britney Spears. It's not my favorite topic in the world, but it's up there. Okay. Well, aside from climate change, <laughs> we are talking... <laughs> We're talking about Britney Spears' conservatorship. We obviously touched on it on obviously touched on it. We've obviously touched on it before on the podcast. We've talked about it a lot, actually. We were talking about it before the world was talking about yeah, it. Yeah, we were. But Framing Britney Spears has come out, and mm-hmm. that is, if you are not aware, a documentary on Hulu and Netflix, and it's done by the New York Times. So it's very, and New York Times is known to be very just. Here are the facts. Here's the whole big picture. And so they did a whole documentary on Britney's conservatorship, which has gone on from 2007 to today. And so I I feel like people are still not aware. Like, it's been public knowledge that Britney's been in a conservatorship Mm -hmm. for 13 years now. And I feel like every time I, like, something pops up or goes viral on Twitter or a documentary comes out, people are shocked and surprised. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Like, all of the, like, celebrities who are just now, like, there's obviously been celebrities like Miley Cyrus, like, Mm. whoever, like, that have been staying, like, free Britney for a while, which is interesting because they have the The same same manager. manager. I don't know if they do anymore. I don't know if Larry still manages Miley. But I know they did when they worked together. Who is Miley Cyrus's manager? Let me find this out right now. Adam Lieber. Britney's. That's Britney's. That's. Larry's co-manager for Britney. Ah. So then, yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, anyway, continue. Um. Oh, yeah. So anyway, the documentary comes out. People are... I, I don't feel like there was anything new in the documentary that I didn't know, but I feel like it did a really good job of just giving the timeline mm-hmm. of how everything happened. There was some commentary that I thought was interesting, like about, you know, her best friend... Fee was there mm-hmm. just to provide some context, and I thought it was interesting how, if you've watched the documentary, but she was like a really close like family friend, kind of like Britney's chaperone, because yeah. Britney was obviously really young when she started, and so pretty much like watched her grow up in the industry, and then all of a sudden they kind of like cut her off, and she was like became like a tour manager or like a tour like. More so, it was more so about the, like, where she was performing. More Mm -hmm. so, like, managing, like, where she was performing. But it was still, like, disconnected from Britney. Yeah. It's, well, because I remember she was doing, like, the backstage tours of, like, Kiss Me. And doing, like, the meet and greets before, like, but more just, like, interacting with fans. So fans got really close to her. Yeah. Because she was so sweet and so kind and did grow up with Britney. But it was so weird how... I don't, I mean, I feel like they still hung out, but it's just like she was Britney's secondhand woman for mm-hmm. so long. And then when Britney's father came into the conservatorship, that's when she was kind of demoted or yeah. hired by the touring company instead of Britney's actual team. Yeah, I found it interesting because I just like watching like her demeanor, like kind of the context of like how she was talking about it, you kind of 
can infer that some shady shit went yeah. down. You just don't know. Obviously, there's a lot of, like, NDAs being signed oh or whatever. So, like, there's a lot they can't say, but they s- say enough. You know, and it also was interesting because I feel like her, it still seemed like she didn't know exactly what was going on. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, she seemed so genuine. Like, I didn't know what a conservatorship of is course. then. I don't know what it is now. Of course. <laughs> It's just, like, I can't imagine Jamie being like, all right, this is what a conservatorship is. This is your role, I feel like. It's just like, okay, go meet with the fans. Yeah, I feel like it's – the weird thing about the conservatorship for me, I think, like, and just seeing it from, like, their eyes, like, as a family, I think it's just, like, some weird, dirty family secret. Like, no one talks about it. But with the biggest pop star in the world. Right. And they literally – I feel like this is so common with Britney's team. It's just they act like no no one's going to know. Yeah, it's – yeah, it's, like, very psychotic. Like, they will throw her up on interviews, on stage, and and just not it's let like anyone ask about it. And they're like, no, yeah, like, what's been going on, Brittany? And she's like, well, as you know, I've been deciding that my favorite color is yellow. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, like, a joke. Yeah. Like, every single interview is so, has been so vanilla since so Before the Record documentary. Level. Yeah. Like, right after her breakdown, she did a documentary with MTV called For the Britney For the Record. And I thought that was such a good doc. And it followed her behind the scenes. We should rewatch it. I would love to rewatch it. Yeah, and she was that. so real. Yeah. And just she, like, if you'll notice, like, Britney's personality has shifted over the years, especially on camera. And I feel like in that documentary, she was just so raw and so normal. I feel like she it was always that until mm-hmm. a certain point. Like she was yeah. always so vulnerable. I think she's just like a normal fucking person. Mm-hmm. I don't think she ever think she thought any more or less of herself than anyone else because of yeah. her position. And that was I think what made everyone fall in love with her. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what made her so vulnerable to the media is because she was so open. Like with the paparazzi, like she would be friends with them and yeah. like let them get their shots or like whatever. Like she would laugh at them like stalking her <laughs> until one day, you know, like her life is threatened. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's just like things like that. That's because she's a really nice person and in my opinion, I yeah. believe her to be. I mean, I saw on Twitter like Oprah <laughs> told Brittany like on stage because Brittany came on the Oprah show. She was like, just so you know, my staff said that you're the nicest person they've ever met. And she was like, oh, my God, thank you. But it's like that was at the height of her fame. Yeah. And so I feel like with the documentary, I feel like her personality and, like, her being so nervous or, like, reserved or just different didn't happen until, like, a while into the conservatorship. Right. Because if you'll notice the documentary, she's talking about all these things in length very eloquently and, like, very honestly. And this is a year after she was involuntarily hospitalized. Yeah. And so it's just crazy. And I just saw a video on Twitter yesterday of her on the circus tour, like, obviously slaying mm-hmm. Radar. And that was 13 <laughs> months after her psychiatric hold. And yeah. it's just like, if you're saying that you held her because she had dementia, this is a miraculous recovery. Yeah. Because that was one of the things I think they said in the paperwork. She was gravely incapacitated. And I think it was, they checked, like, the dementia box mm-hmm. to say, like, that's why she had to have complete control over her life. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, well, that bitch is remembering this choreography. Right. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. So I don't know how where to start. I feel like it's just such a big, giant pool of chaos. It is. But luckily, <laughs> Haley took really copious notes. <laughs> and so I want to make sure we are hitting on some points. Um, 
Okay, so do you want to tell them what a conservatorship is? Because I think that word is confusing. A conservatorship is legally defined as a court case where a judge appoints an individual or organization called the conservator to care for someone who cannot care for themselves or cannot manage their own finances according to the judicial branch of California where the conservatorship is enacted. So let's – conservatorship is for people who are – completely incapacitated cannot care for themselves and this is not just like mentally ill people no it's for people who are like are physically incapacitated as well as mentally incapacitated. right they're mush yeah i mean for i mean i know and i know um one of our friends they're like grandmothers in a conservatorship because she has dementia like mm-hmm. it's it's something that is a last resort to care for someone who cannot care for themselves yeah and i think that's an important distinction because Although Brittany may suffer from mental health issues, as a lot of people do, right. that's not grounds for a conservatorship. And what's so interesting is that she was suffering from mental health issues during a time where we really didn't speak about it mm-hmm. so publicly. Or it was like, just crazy. That's yeah, it. you're just crazy. Which is crazy because it was only like 13 years ago, 14 years ago. Mm-hmm. And how much has changed. If someone did that now... If you heard that situation now, you'd be like, what? Like, no. Like, well, they'd no be getting one... a YouTube original documentary. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I think is so interesting just in the matter of 14 years, how much the stigma around mental health, even mm-hmm. though there is still a stigma, how much has changed around that in like public opinion. I think people were, I saw people saying like she was kind of like the sacrificial lamb yeah. for mental health. Because mm-hmm. we saw someone who is very normal, who we loved, who we built up, who was going through a hard time, and we destroyed them mm-hmm. because of their mental health. Mm-hmm. And it was like all the talk show hosts were just trashing her, making fun of her. A thing of Lindsay Lohan just popped up yeah, on Twitter like, this week. Yeah. And him like joking, like she comes on the show to promote a movie, and she's going to rehab in a few weeks. And he's like, So what are they rehabbing? Like, how are they yeah, going to where, where are they going to start? And then he had like a list of like everything she's done wrong, and, and she's she like took, crying. She took that with grace. It, it was and just she have. disgusting. I mean, not only mental health, but obviously the way women were treated. I mean, if a man was to go to rehab, it would be like, oh yeah, like man, you're drinking. Yeah. Oh, that's a whole other. It's obviously like a major component in all of this, but it's just like a whole other facet of the story. It's yeah, it's really disgusting. So I think that. And I do think the New York Times does a really good job of pointing that out, mm-hmm. which I don't think that many people who have covered the story necessarily have. No, I thought that that was an actual new angle that I was yeah. like, I mean, obviously we've noticed it, right? but for it to be that plainly presented and for, I feel like for the first time interviewers to be held accountable mm-hmm. for the way that they conducted themselves and contributed to the culture that made it okay. But also I was watching, and I think it was like DeFranco, who was like... <clears throat> Let's not go after one interviewer because the audience was also like laughing the whole time. Like oh, yeah. we're it's all a, a part it's an of issue. it. Yeah, it's a whole issue. So I think now I think it really is just in poor taste. Like I don't see that many like Britney jokes or like bald jokes or like God forever just her shaving her head had people up in arms. Yeah. And now it's like I feel like women shave their head all the time for like yeah because they're feeling great about themselves they just want because they want to i want to it's just <laughs> yeah it's it's crazy but i feel like now people are much more sympathetic to britney and that makes me happy yeah but now it's just like 
But now it's also like you don't want her to have the narrative where it's just, oh, now we pity her because yeah. she's crazy or we pity her because she's just so whatever. So I hope that this documentary will help her not only get out of it, but like reclaim her narrative and like have a voice again because she's not been literally allowed to speak, I don't think, for yeah, I know. over a decade. And I, my, maybe she doesn't want to. Maybe she's tired. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it's a little bit of both. I think she's probably like, yeah, like I'm tired of this, like defining who I am as a person. But at the same time, I can imagine how, like, unsettling it would be that everyone has control over your mm-hmm. story. Yeah, because I mean, I, from the beginning, I feel like she was really clear about she just liked doing this, but she never saw it being her forever. Yeah, her dream really wasn't to be. I mean, she loves singing and dancing, but just as more of a hobby i don't think that she's that <laughs> passionate about i think she just like her instagram videos i think she really just likes to like dance around and i think she's just was like too good at it yeah she and was just making there's just too much money to be made and now she's just held to the standard and she's like y'all i really just like dancing around a little bit <laughs> she <laughs> she would she, used to like talk about like wanting to go be a hairdresser or go do something else and she's just <laughs> like she literally said she was going to be a hairdresser she is me <laughs> It's just so sad because it's like she has no choice but to do this. And I do believe that she loves it, but I don't think that we will ever see Britney Spears again until she has control over her life. So what do you think that her, like, everyday life consists of in a conservatorship? You know, I think about that a lot. Yeah. Because I remember in January, I think of 2019, right before Domination got canceled, which was Mm -hmm. her second Vegas residency, she was spotted driving with her boyfriend. And mm-hmm. driving's a big no-no with a mm-hmm. conservatorship. Like, you're not – so, yeah, you're not allowed to drive, not allowed to have a phone. And what I was going to say here is that the appointed conservators have control over everything from her mental health care to where and when she can travel. The setup means that Spears' conservators are required to submit detailed accounts of her purchases to the court, even minor charge, charges like $5 purchases at Sonic Drive-In or Target. <laughs> It's just she is 39. Yeah. She's 39. So not only is she was she not allowed to be driving that car, she has to submit her purchase from, like, wherever that drive-in was. Like, that's just, like... She is Britney Spears. She makes too... Actually, I was going to say she makes too much money, but the Forbes report just came out. Yes. And we'll get, did. To that. we'll get to that. <laughs> but her day-to-day, just going back to that, like, her Instagram, I feel like, is the only window we have into what that looks like. Mm-hmm. And it is bizarre. And that's why everyone's so obsessed. Yeah, because it's so confusing because she will post, like, videos of her hanging out with her kids, but then post a video of her, like, painting on, like, a balcony in this, like, I don't even know what she's wearing, but it's just fascinating. Yeah. And everything she's doing, like, her eye makeup under her eye, her, like, closet tours when sometimes she's talking like a little girl or... Other times when she's just talking about, like, I'm a Sagittarius and I want to be free. I love freedom. I'm keen on freedom. And her voice when she's saying that is so deep. It's so deep and different. But, like, I feel like that's the real Britney. Yeah. And it's just, we'll never know. And I think the part of Britney that's so interesting is the mystery. Yeah. Because she's one of the only artists who you don't know anything about. Even with her social media, it's just mm-hmm. more confusing. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't do interviews. She doesn't, like, She's, do like, stories. one of the last true, like, mis- like mysterious celebrities. Yeah. She's from the traditional era, so, like, she just never grew up on social media, media and the way she uses it is so mm-hmm. authentic in a way that you have no idea what's authentic. It's like, <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. 
and I don't for a second believe that she controls her social media at all. Yeah. But I, I mean, no one's setting her. I guarantee you no one's recording those videos for her. Like, she's recording those videos, mm-hmm. and she's sending them to be posted. So it's a lot of I can acknowledge that what she's doing is odd and bizarre sometimes. But yeah. also it's like maybe she just wants to show her actually in her living room dancing around, which if I posted that would look bizarre. Yeah, I get – so I think about this a lot too is like she po- she has these videos and I, and I always think about like – so the person who is like vetting these videos, like they have a very clear like agenda. Yeah. And I – and we were talking about this when you we were watching the documentary about how I feel like the – the court of public opinion they have to keep her looking unstable Mm -hmm. have to keep her looking crazy and so like i feel like whoever's vetting these instagram videos are like oh yeah she looks crazy yeah it's like we're gonna post this like yeah i mean it sounds like a conspiracy theory but i just like it's but it's not because you have to think about first of all how crazy the situation is to begin with Mm -hmm. like the the situation is not a conspiracy well the person who runs her social media was caught like at a birthday party or like hanging out with Lou Taylor who is basically the mastermind of the conservatorship who works directly with Jamie Mm -hmm. who was in charge of selling Britney's childhood home a few weeks ago I did not know that she still works with Jamie like she tried to also get Lindsay Lohan a conservatorship she tried to get Courtney Love in a conservatorship and failed both times that's a great it's a great business model it's a great business model thank you Andrew Wallet Mm. so (laughs) she I mean, obviously, whoever's running her social is very connected to Jamie, Britney's mm-hmm. father, and Lou Taylor. But the girl who runs Britney's social was like, she sends me everything. Like, she made a bunch of posts about it. She's like, I don't edit it. Britney usually edits her videos for her or for me. Like, I just post what she sends me. And I'm like, and also, this girl sounds like she is just a regular Mississippi woman. Oh. <laughs> so I'm just like, I don't know if you're being authentic or if you're just being shady right and just have a cute little accent yeah it's so hard <laughs> it's just you don't know yeah so i want to talk about britney's money oh yes what are your thoughts um she is too rich to be poor yeah i mean <laughs> like she's not poor but so you know what can i say one thing yeah before you go I think it's so funny because after the Forbes report came out and they released how much money she made, mm-hmm. I saw Twitter going in like like people of all like backgrounds being like, this woman deserves more money. Where's her money? Her dad squandered it. And I'm like, it's just refreshing to see like woke Twitter being mad that a white woman has only <laughs> $60 million. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, all right, like we can recognize that Britney should have more money. Like, yes, yeah. is it excessive? Yes. But yeah. she, where where is the rest of it? Yeah. Okay, so this is an interesting fact. I don't think that I knew. Um, according to CBS, Jamie argues that his conservatorship is working under his order. His legal team says Britney's estate has gone from being in debt to having a, a valuation of more than $60 million, which the $60 million number is the number we're refer- referring to. But I didn't know that he claimed the estate was in debt and that the conservatorship was helping. I didn't know that. Is that true? Like, I don't... According to CBS. <laughs> and that was argued in court. Here's the thing. I don't doubt that Britney was not good at handling money, as I don't think most oh, normal people are. Oh, no, I don't believe are. it was in debt. I don't... 
There is no way to be in debt. I mean, here's the thing. I truly, like, we have no idea what the finances were like. Obviously, Britney was the biggest pop star in the world. How would she spend all of that money in three years? I think she fired her management in 20... 2006? Mm. And by the time Jamie came back, it was 2008. So, like, I don't believe that she spent her entire estate. No. In two years? That doesn't make sense. No. But it makes sense to argue for a conservative. Right, that's what I'm saying. Okay, another thing is that as of 2018, she had a net worth of 59 million. That year, she spent 400,000 on living expenses and 66,000 on household supplies. She also spent 1.1 million on her legal and conservator fees that year. Her father took home $128,000 of that. So she, you're saying that she spent almost three times the amount on her conservatorship that she spent on yes her personal life. Yes, that's disgusting. Because she is in the the documentary. They mention how she's paying for all sides of this situation. She is in okay. So it back up if you now mind for, you twenty. This is one year. Too much to cover. There is this is one year she spent one million dollars. So in thirteen years, how much do you like I me? Mean, exactly. <laughs> that is crazy for her court, and she has a court-appointed lawyer. She, she is, has a public defender. She was obviously involuntarily placed in the conservatorship. Which meant that she had no control over who who was hired where. Yeah. She has no lawyer of her own. She's deemed legally incapacitated, so she cannot hire a lawyer. Right. Her, but she's able to make all this money doing all this work. So everyone on every side is getting their paycheck is yeah. paid by Britney Spears and paid by keeping her in this conservatorship. Yes. And, like, obviously for her family and for her estate, like, if you have a cash cow, you're going to want to control that, especially if the cash cow, like Britney, mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily want to be a pop star forever or it might not want to put out an album this year. It's just like if her work, working, mm-hmm. is what's paying everyone's bills, yeah. then you need to keep it going. Right. And like her dad, obviously, let's talk about him. Um, I don't want to like call him out for being an alcoholic because like yes that's the disease and yes he's been in treatment but he has a long history of addiction mm-hmm. and a long history of failed businesses yes he filed bankruptcy which again like that's not crazy you know, he's fi- didn't he file bankruptcy on multiple businesses yes that's hard to do and it's just like <laughs> or if not he certainly never had a successful business no the only business he's had is being is able to ch- cash britney's checks that's it and i I'm just angry because his the, the, he's divorced from Britney's mom. Who, yes. Her, Britney and her mom have a great relationship from what I understand. Yes, but not always, but yes. And uh, uh, Britney's parents are divorced, mm-hmm. but I feel like since everything's been happening, just like the past year or two, Britney's mom has been trying to get more control. Mm-hmm. And I'm just confused. Like, was no one asking questions before? Who is complicit in this? What like why Jamie Lynn and Brittany like are supposed to love each other? Why would Jamie not speak out? Right. And I feel like Jamie's been so Jamie Lynn has been so intentionally like don't want to speak about this. You don't know what someone needs. Like yeah, I don't. It's just weird. It's weird. That's why it's some like some weird family secret. But it's like so on a public stage. I. Uh, I just feel like there's too much. I just feel like we're we just and I and it's it baffles me. About how how they use Britney's ability to work and make so much money as a as an argument to keep her in the conservatorship, yeah. and this is why I was saying it's so interesting. They play her to be this crazy person 
to the world, mm -hmm. but in the courts, they make her seem she's like amazing. she's amazing and the conservatorship is working. What a success story. It's so backwards. It's so backwards. Because now she's at the point where, yes, she's making great money. She has one of the most successful perfume lines, one of the most successful Vegas residencies. Her albums the are The most doing successful great. Resi re residency. Yeah. So the, the better she does, mm -hmm. the more standing they have to be like, okay, this is working. Let's keep her in Which this. doesn't make sense. But if she were to do worse, they would be like, wow, she's doing exactly. so bad. She needs to be in a conservatorship. Exactly. And that's just... It's a catch-22 that she'll never get out of. That's just... But that's the thing is, like, just because it's an argument doesn't mean it's valid. That's just the only argument. That's the only defense they have. Yeah. And I think that what was so chilling in the documentary was the lawyer who, like, worked on the case said that she's never seen someone get out of a conservatorship. And she rejoined the case. And she... After the documentary, she rejoined Jamie's team. It's just disgusting. It's disgusting. And I don't understand. I truly don't understand... I think it's widely speculated that Britney uh, suffers from bipolar. That's very common. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have bipolar and are very open. I mean, I know Halsey and Demi are two people off the top of my mind that are very mm -hmm. open about their bipolar. Yeah. And it does not, and of course, everyone's And Halsey speaking. made a whole album called Manic. If Britney did that. <laughs> she didn't get fucking taken away. It's just, again, they, they came up in a, in a time when you could talk about it. And yeah. still to this day, Britney's never said, I have bipolar, I have anything. She's never spoken about her mental health. Yeah. And I think Britney is also so disconnected from how the world works and she's so sheltered mm -hmm. that she doesn't understand. Like, she, even the post that she did, like, last year where she's talking about, oh, I need to lose two pounds on the treadmill because I just need to wear off a little bit. And it's just, like, I think that she is still in the 2000s and does not understand. She's, like, like frozen in time. Yeah. Because she, she's been, like, locked in a cage yeah. since 2007. Yeah. <laughs> and – I feel like, I mean, there's rumors she doesn't have internet access, doesn't have access to her phone. I don't know how much I believe, but what I think is very telling is that her boyfriend of four years, Sam Sgari, who they met on the set of Slumber Party, they've been, that's one of her longest boyfriends, yeah. I would say, since her marriage to Kevin. It, maybe it's longer. No, yeah, it's longer. Yeah. And well, she was engaged to that one guy. I don't know how long they were together, though. Oh, Jason Trawick. I thought I was going to Jason Alexander. Who is that? doesn't matter. Jason Alexander, she married. Ah. <laughs> um, but what was I saying? <laughs> Sam has a whatever. Oh, yeah, Sam. Yeah. So he recently, and he hasn't said a word for like four years. Yeah. After the documentary, made an Instagram story, and he's like, let me just be clear. I don't respect anyone that's trying to make our relationship harder, and I think Jamie's a total dick. And then yeah. right after, there was a very staged paparazzi encounter where like, Immediately after the story, he is having to walk outside in a pop He's like, what's going yeah. on, Sam? And he reiterated that I think he's a dick. And that's huge because he yeah. obviously has an NDA. He's obviously being allowed to see Britney based on Jamie. Yeah. So that was just – that just made me think a lot about either this is a ploy to get people to think that Sam is on Britney's side and really Sam's a paid part of the conservatorship. Yeah. Or they're actually getting close to – fighting this and I feel like every like the past five years or so Jamie's went from being conservator of her estate and person which are two separate things mm -hmm. um and just to being conservator over her estate to now being cons only co-conservator over, over her estate so with every step he's getting a little less power mm -hmm. so it feels like it's like making on the right some track. leeway so I want to get into I asked you guys some questions so we'll, we'll graze <sighs> over those quickly 
I mean, we could talk about this for hours. I mean, <laughs> there's just like no way to. If you're like, if you're unfamiliar with this situation, this is probably very chaotic and scattered. <laughs> but like, watch the documentary and then come back. Yeah, yeah. I, I need to tell everyone to watch the documentary before watching this. Yeah. Don't, um, yeah. Okay, so I asked everyone if they knew about the Free Britney movement, and 87 percent of them said yes, which is yes, which is really good. I feel we're doing our part. We're doing our part. And then I asked everyone if they think that she should still be under the conservatorship, and 91 of y'all percent of y'all said no and nine percent of you guys said yes which mm. surprised me but i asked you guys why or why not um a lot of you guys were just like she's a grown woman who's capable of like obviously if she can do whole ass tours and year-long residencies learning choreo and hitting marks and doing promo mm -hmm. then she should be able to you know have control over her life yeah um a lot of people were like, we don't really know exactly what is going on. Like, mm -hmm. there may be pieces of the puzzle that we're missing. But then a lot of you guys were like, there's so many people in the industry with mental health issues who are yeah. not in a conservatorship. Kanye West. Kanye West. I Also, some arguments I've heard from, like, people I actually know. Yeah. Is like, well, we don't know all the facts, and she might actually need it. She might have a lot of mental health issues. But I just feel like... I just feel like I hear so many people playing like devil's advocate with this, Ugh, and it's that. just, <laughs> it's just odd to me. Like no, that like here's the here are the facts. The fact is, she's able to work. Yeah, she's able to do promo. She's those are facts. Mm -hmm. She's able to make all this money. Yeah. So why is she not able to control her assets? At least not even control her assets. Like I don't doubt she needs a business manager, day to day manager. Like. When you're at that level, like, I'm sure. She's sure. never really existed on her own. But if you can work to that capacity, then you should at least have the capacity to say, I don't want my money to go there. I want my money here. Yeah, it's really, like, That's not basic. that crazy. Like, for her daddy to take every check at the age of 40 and yeah. still do all this work, like, there's, I don't, there's no mental health condition besides like, dementia that could call for that. And it, it, you cannot, you probably are not able to be a, a full-on pop star if you are mentally and physically incapacitated. Like and she's able, you cannot do both. You can't go on stage and be left out there for an hour and a half by yourself to go through a whole show. God. If you can't even say that you want your money and like savings or checking. Exactly. So like it, that, those are the facts. So I don't know what those facts. Those are the facts. I don't know what facts. What other facts that could possibly facts. come out to change that? And in the documentary, the Andrew – no, it wasn't Wallet. It was Sam Ingram – Ingham? I don't know his last name. Mm -hmm. uh, who was the lawyer that Brittany tried to hire before they deemed her incapable of hiring a legal team. Yeah. He said that there was something in the medical – Well, apparently, if you're on a conservatorship at all, you are not able to. Yeah. She just went on. So, like, it wasn't like she they just, deemed like, her whatever. Yeah. They were just like, no, you're a conservatorship. You cannot have your own lawyer. <sighs> well, he said that they – the judge said there was something in the medical report that made them make the decision that she could not hire a legal team or, like, could not hire him, that she was not capable of doing that. And Sam said, like, he, the judge wouldn't show him what was in the report, and he still to this day doesn't know what was in that medical report. So it's like – I would love to know, and it's rumored to be dementia, mm -hmm. but whatever's in that report, I feel like is the reason she's still in it today. Mm -hmm. And it's probably not true. And who made the report? Was it a doctor that Jamie knew? Or yeah, I doubt like... it was independent. Doubt it. Yeah. 
So, um, if you didn't hear, JT came out with an apology yes, because he did. if you'd watched the, the documentary, um, he is very painted out to be as he should be painted out to be pretty bad because he said some shady ass shit, especially about her virginity. Uh-huh. Um, the whole Crimey River music video, like literally Crimey River. Yeah. And um, yeah, just like being an overall just like dick. Yeah. And here we go, Janet Jackson as well. And he said, I'm going to read it. He said, I've seen the messages, tags, comments, and concerns, and I want to respond. I am deeply sorry for the times in my life where my actions contributed to the problem, where I spoke out of turn or did not speak up for what was right. I understand that I fell short in these moments and many others and benefited benefited from a system that condones misogyny. Sorry, I'm like you to reset. It's a big word. (laughs) No, I'm just like, I'm seeing stars. (laughs) Misogyny and racism. I specifically want to apologize to Britney Sears and Janet Jackson, both individually, because I know and care for res- and I care for and respect these women, and I know I failed. I also feel compelled to respond in part because everyone involved deserves better, and most importantly, because this is a larger conversation that I wholeheartedly want to be a part of and grow from. The industry is flawed. It sets men, especially white men, up for success. It's designed this way. As a man in a privileged position, I have to I have to be vocal about this. Because of my ignorance, I didn't recognize it for all that it was while it was happening in my own life. But I do not want it to ever I do not want to ever benefit from others being pulled down again. And then more of the same. And what do you think? <laughs> Here's the thing. I I think that Twitter was obviously demanding an apology. No, what him. do you think? I think that about his apology? Yeah. I don't think that he was in a position where anything he said would have been correct. I think that the apology was well vetted by his team Mm -hmm. and by all who have been in social PR disasters. I think that he said everything right. He hit all the points. He took accountability. He admitted to the system benefiting him. He talked about uh, his whiteness in addition to how being a male uh, affected it. He named Britney Spears and Janet and then made it a point to say individually because that would have also been a point of contention. Like, he, I feel like, w- did the best he could. Yeah, it was like A-plus for, like, it was, construction. Yeah, it hit all the points. Was it genuine? I mean, no. Is he, did, did he just wake up and be like, you know what, I today's the day I really feel bad about it. <laughs> no. Of course not. It right. was, there was a public outcry, but in, in that public outcry, you know that if you don't speak, you're going to be complicit. And if you do speak, it's too little too late. Yeah. So. And this is, and that's a good point. But what I had said to you in response was like, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, you fucked up. Like you yeah. don't, like, number one, it's not our, really our apology to receive. So right. like our opinions don't matter, even though it, he is a public figure and it does contribute to a larger part of society. Mm-hmm. But it's just like you don't get to feel relief yeah. from your apology. Mm-hmm. Like I don't you think say he does. it you say it and it and you know, whether or not people accept it is up to them. Mm-hmm. So that's and like you and you're allowed to grow and you're allowed to apologize. Obviously in my opinion it's too little too late, but I appreciate the effort. That's like mm-hmm. what I think about it. Yeah. I mean the damage is done, like to Janet yeah. and Brittany's career. Do I think that it's just what he was doing was so normal at the time. Mm-hmm. Like it, 
when you're asked on the radio about like your virginity, it's like the locker room talk that they talk about mm -hmm. was so standard and normal. Oh yeah, that like you would never like I, I as a man, you would never have to have had thought twice about it. Yeah, and so I just I would love to be inside of his brain at that time, be like, you know, obviously you know you're being a dick, but yeah. do you know like the damage you're causing? Right. Like, do you know that like at the Super Bowl that you are? <laughs> <laughs> it's just Janet never recovered from that because she was obviously the national slut. Yeah. Even though he's the one who Did it. ripped it off. It's... But the blame was still on her, and it's just like looking, I guess hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah. But I don't think there's anything he could have done to write it. And I think there's also been so many instances where he's just like obviously been a douche. And I also think about how good his PR is because – they make him seem like the goodest boy. Mm -hmm. Like everything about JT, I feel like is so clean, so vetted. Like yeah, he same. he does no wrong, and right. so I feel like lately people have started to kind of unpack him. And I think obviously society, we love to tear women down that we've built up, but mm -hmm. I think we also now are getting to the point in society where we love to find all the holes in the like white men that have built up and mm -hmm. sometimes it's like a witch hunt but sometimes i mean obviously it's yeah very valid. It's, it's interesting because we talk about this all the time but the the fine line between witch hunt and and like taking accountability yeah. for something yeah. that you did and I, and i think that it's call out culture is very different from cancel culture that's very true i think that you should be able to be called out on whatever mm -hmm take it in stride, grow from it, learn from it. Of course, like, social media can be, like, really overwhelming sometimes for a lot of people, I'm sure. But. Yeah. But, like, don't, but, like, don't, that. don't, like, fade it away because you don't want to deal with it. That, yeah. I think, is more, like, a guilty, like, idea to have, like, our guilty. I'm shutting I, down. You know what? I was just trying to think of the word, and I can't <laughs> I know where you're going for, but I can't. It's you know what? Just <laughs> shut it down. Okay, you guys said. <laughs> um, most of you guys said too little, too late, dash JoJo. That's like what a lot of you guys said. <laughs> um, and then a lot of people were just like, he's trying to save face, convenient, just saving face. Too, like little, li too little, too late, JoJo. Too little, too late. Um, too little, too late, JoJo. <laughs> It's just like as a public figure, though, like it's not in an, an, a normal conversation. If I hurt you, I go to you. I apologize. We have a conversation. Like, and a, mm -hmm. and a public, a public figure, is required to kind of do the performance of the apology. Yeah. And you have to do that because you can't just do a private apology because then people are like, oh, so you don't want to take accountability publicly. But mm -hmm. then when you do it publicly, you have to. It's not. You're not just apologizing to the person. Mm -hmm. You have to make a public performance of apology and make sure that everyone listening to it yeah. is satisfied, even though it's not the apology isn't for them; it's to those people. Yeah. Who, by the way, never responded. Yeah. So, Janet, what do you think? Janet. I would love to know what Janet thinks. She'd be like, "Fuck you." I know. Probably, I would. All right. What is? Let's wrap it up. Okay. What is your recommendation for the week? Um. You know what? Set was sad. I was gonna recommend the Cecil Hotel documentary, mm -hmm. and I think it's shit. Yeah, 
I think it's shit. I do too. And I was I didn't think it was shit until the third episode. I didn't think it was shit until the last episode. Really? Yeah. We're we're about to start the last episode, and I'm like, this is shit. I but the first episodes were great. I enjoyed it, but then it just got into conspiracy yeah, theories that's, and yeah. the internet's opinion. I'm like, what are the facts? Yeah, I know. What did the autopsy so, like, say? Yeah, I'm interested to see what you think of the last episode or because it really pissed me off. I was like, I really wasted my time. So you know what we don't recommend watching don't in the season? Watch the season <laughs> that's coming for both of us. <laughs> I don't recommend that, and that is my recommendation. <laughs> I was so lit about it. I'm so mad. Because, like, the first two episodes, in my opinion, were great. Yeah, and now I have to wait. Now I have to spend 50 more minutes of my life. Don't, honestly. Really? I'll tell you about it. <laughs> I'll tell you about it. It is dumb. Oh. So, okay, what is your... Do you ever, no, no, that is my recommendation, okay, is it. to not recommend it. Um, my intention <laughs> for the week is to kind of do a mental reset and get my head on my shoulders and try to block out the noise that I'm hearing. I feel like oh. I've been kind of unsteadied by outside opinions and I need to really just like and yeah. recenter and find my center. <laughs> <laughs> What's your intention? Well, so I just realized that the day this is coming out is the day that my little announcement is out. Oh. So my intention is to be happy about it. <laughs> If you haven't heard the announcement, check out Instagram. Yeah. Is it going on your Instagram too? Yeah. I'm so excited for you. So that is my intention for the week. Have a glass of champagne. She's a star. A star. Not a star. All right. Um, sorry. Stop. <laughs> Coffee. <laughs> You have, you have to do it. Caleb, you have to do it. Coffee. <laughs> Coffee. <laughs> Coffee with... Just get it. Just like... Coffee with my ex. <laughs> you have a fucking smoker's cough. <laughs> I don't know, Coffee but it's what ex. happened to it. 